Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to Positivity Strategist Podcast. I am so thrilled that you're able to listen in today. And if you're listening for the first time, a big warm welcome to you. And you have picked a great episode to listen to for the first time because today I'm speaking with one of my heroes in the Appreciative Inquiry global community. And she needs no introduction because of who she is in the world and what she's already contributed to the field of organization development, management development and appreciative inquiry transforming the lives of her students, colleagues, and clients. So, Jackie, I am so excited to welcome you, Jackie Stavros. Thank you, Robin. And I guess it's like a hero to hero day because you always have so much positive energy. And thank you for inviting me today. I'm just happy to be here. That's so lovely. You know, I'm anticipating gasps of appreciation and squeals of delight coming across the airways as people listen to this show. Jackie, where are you in the world today? In, actually, right now I'm sitting at Lawrence Technological University in my office at the College of Management in Southfield, Michigan. It's kind of the heart of the automotive and high-tech um, capital in Michigan. Yeah, and you've had a lot of work in, in that industry, which you might like to uh, talk about in the future. Um, but I just want to let people know that I've had the privilege to work with Jackie on a number of projects And from personal experiences, she's so incredibly generous and kind and thoughtful and hardworking and innovative. And Jackie's passion comes across as she connects with others. This is what I've observed and experienced. She helps them discover their strengths and create their own and collective opportunities so that they can produce results for positive change, which we're all about, to flourish with confidence. So, Jackie, you just mentioned that you're um, at the um, College of Management at Lawrence Technological University. You're a full-time professor there. Has that been for 17 years? Did I read that on the website correctly? Yes, I have found my home at Lawrence Tech um, University. And one of our sayings, sayings that I just love is possibility is everything. And it's a real wonderful family that really believes in the foundations of appreciative inquiry and positivity and and generativity and everything we do here. So yes, I've been here 17 years now. Mm. Well, that's fantastic to be in a culture that aligns with your own values and contributions, right? I think, yeah. And then I think when you hear people who stay at organizations for 10, 15, 20 years, it's because they align their values Mm. and their mission and vision of where the organization is, and they're just plain having fun at work. (laughs) Yeah, and so your work um, is research, teaching, and I know within the university, and I also know that you're out there in the big world teaching, training, coaching, and consulting, and writing books. Correct. Um, Lawrence Tech is theory and practice. They expect us to be in the field one day a week, minimally doing what we're doing in the classroom. So I've never lost my connection to um, industry and the world 
through the practice because that's what makes me the most effective when I'm working with my students, whether they're traditional undergrads, graduates, or doctorate students. Yeah, absolutely. You bring that real-world lived experience into the classroom, which, which they love. Um, so, Jackie, um, you're also a wife and a mom, <laughs> a very proud mom, I know. And, you know, it would be so lovely for the listeners if you were to share your backstory. Um, I'm always curious to know how appreciative inquiry comes into one's life, and particularly when, you know, we make a profession of it. And maybe, Jackie, there were some early influences in your upbringing that attuned you to this appreciative worldview. Yeah, that's a great, that's an awesome question. And Robin, knowing you were going to ask me this, I thought about, um, you know, how did I first get into AI informally? And then when I met David Cooper Writer, where was that, where was that connection in my life? And I grew up um, right outside of the city of Detroit. And, you know, there were um, six of us in my family. We had indoor plumbing, but we shared the same bathroom. And I, I just always remember um, my father had a decent living, a kind, kind heart. And one day, I think I was probably 15 years old, I said, you know, Dad, I really want to go to college. They're talking about college and high school now. And I said, Dad, how are we going to afford getting to college? You know, I don't really have any money saved aside. And my dad asked him, you know, he, he he didn't answer. He asked a question. It was quite a generative question. He reframed it and said, um, and he was so pragmatic with me and genuine. He says, no, Jackie, it's like, how are you going to get to college and afford it? And what is possible? And let's figure out what your talents are so you can afford college. And and then he wasn't even an answer. It was that he gave me a question. And, and I remember he asked me, you know, Jackie, what do you really love doing? And I talked about my love of swimming and teaching swimming. And he would say, do you think you're good enough to get a swimming scholarship? I said, no. And I was feeling kind of like, how do, what is, you know, where's this conversation going? And he said, well, what are you good at? What else are you good at that you could do at swimming? And we talked about me getting a um, job at the YMCA teaching swimming. So you know, when I go from my dad and the questions he asked to my first boss, whose name was David as well, um, you know, again, he was a man that ran a YMCA. And at first, his assistant looked at me and he says, we can't hire her. She's only 15. You have to be 17 years old to work in the pool. And he's like, well, we can figure out a way um, because she's really good with kids. So I think very early in my life, I had people like my father and people like my first David in my life that always believed in me and asked really um, generative questions and they could reframe things. And, and so with these people asking questions and my passion, I did work at the YMCA at the age of 15 and I did save enough money to go away, to start help going away to college. <clears throat> but I also, you know, again, I got a merit scholarship and, you know, I didn't go where I want my dream college at first. And my dad was like, if you really want to go away to school someday, let's put that up as a possibility. But for now, there's a great opportunity in front of you. So I go back to my father and his questions and going away to school finally came. And it all boils down to the first teacher in my life who came unbeknownst to me until we talked here was the way my father would reframe something and really ask generative questions and help inspire and motivate me to create solutions. So when I met David Cooper writers, you know, fast forwarding um, probably 
15 years from that conversations always happened with my father and, and David at the Y, I met David Cooper writer. So I was just naturally drawn to David, appreciative inquiry, it's life-giving practices. It was so second nature to just, it was so accessible and understanding for me that I was like, I can't believe I'm going to make a living off of this. And, <laughs> do all of this. and I got to tell you, the best thing that I do with this is um, build it in my marriage and with my children. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my backstory. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so interesting with the way that your father was asking question and then your first boss, David, um, It's it was involving you in the decision-making, right? It was actually enabling you to come up with solutions for yourself, which is, you know, is, is what we try to do as leaders, you know, as effective leaders to involve people in coming up with their own solutions and finding, you know, engage, being that generative kind of person. And I, it's so lovely that you had that modelled early in your life. I did. I was very very fortunate. Yeah. So say a little bit more now about um, being with this consciousness of appreciative inquiry and professionally and personally, how is it being a parent? What might be some some stories or a highlight um, being an appreciative parent? So at the time I had finished my doctorate and working with David, um, I was pregnant with my daughter Allie and people were like, well now what are you going to do? And I thought, you know, I'm going to raise my kids on appreciative inquiry and its principles. And and that really shows in, you know, some of the challenges my children have been to been through that these principles of appreciative inquiry, of social construction and simultaneity, they just come to life. You know, and the funny story is when Adam was really young, I would say to Adam, don't jump on the bed. And Adam would jump high, higher and harder. And then I thought, all right, let's practice these AI principles. And I gave him <laughs> a hand and I say, Adam, just sit and relax. And he would, would watch and not sure what was happening to his body, but he would actually stop jumping on the bed because I moved the question in a more thoughtful way to what I really wanted him, him to do. Mm-hmm. So I've had fun with my kids and probably the, um, the most difficult story, and Sherry and Torres and I, we write about this in um, a new book we're working on, Conversations Worth Having, was um, Allie, in our last chapter, she writes a story about her dad, um, my husband Paul, when he was diagnosed with a, a four, stage four cancer. And I remember I'm driving home from the hospital on Friday night before my husband's birthday, and I'm thinking, how am I going to tell my kids their dad has a stage four cancer lymphoma? and get through this night and celebrate his birthday tomorrow. And, I, you know, I had been gone for two weeks at the hospital. So, of course, when I walked in the door right out of Allie's um, mouth, and she was 14 at the time, she's like, Mom, is Dad going to die? Mm. And, I, and I just reacted, and I said, Allie, we're all going to die. And I remember my father and I got a dialogue, and I know what she wanted from me. She wanted me to say, Allie, Dad's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But... I couldn't. I reacted. And I just went right into this appreciative mode and started asking her questions like my father had asked me. And I said, Allie, so tell me your favorite story about dad. She actually played along, not really sure where we were going. And I said, you know, what does your dad like about you? 
And what can you do to help others who are visiting? Because mom has to go back to the hospital tomorrow morning. Your aunt's staying the night with your father. Mm-hmm. And we started having this conversation. And a, a couple more weeks went by, and, and I brought Paul home from the hospital after he was gone for a month. And um, we were home for a few days, and he had a relapse from the chemo. And I'm like, all right, Allie, I have to get your dad back to the hospital. And Adam, who was 12 at the time, walked up to Allie, and this is how I know AI works, mm-hmm. and Adam said, Allie, Dad looks really bad. Is Dad going to die? And she looked at him, and she said, Adam, we're all going to die. <laughs> and she said, but we got to focus on what we love about Dad. We're going to have to eat a lot more lasagna again. <laughs> Aunt Robbie and Uncle Tom are going to cut. And so she just went into this generative practice and this appreciative nature, and I thought, you know, mm-hmm. They got it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a happy ending to the story. Um, mm-hmm. Paul had a 50-50 chance and he fought through it. But if there's that one story in my life that in really desperate times, it was appreciative inquiry, it's philosophy, mm-hmm. it's what being doing its principles mm-hmm. that can get you through even really tough situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that probably, you know, sh- um, Sherry and I write about it in the book, but that's just a story that, um, and we even save it for the end, that gets that, I know this works. I don't, whatever, we have evidence-based stuff, but mm-hmm. it's with our youth. Mm. Yeah. And so in that story, what you're illustrating about how it works is the shift, the movement towards what's possible, what's hoped for, what gives strengths. What, what might you say, Jackie? You, you, you named it. I mean, if you look at the, um, the research about the science behind appreciative inquiry, it shows you over and over again that appreciation, gratitude, and hope are the foundations of, of health and, and heal, healing. I mean, there's 27 years of research behind mm-hmm. um, positive psychology, even more behind um, appreciative inquiry that helps you to realize you can use appreciative inquiry anytime, anywhere, in almost any any situation. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's what that was a real trigger. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I could I could um, share a lot of stories too, but um, I won't. I want to keep moving forward. But thank you so much for sharing that beautiful personal story. Because you know, when we're in this space of transformational change and organization development and we're teaching it we tend to think about the different kinds of applications you know that are out there in the business world or the the communities or the non-profit world and we sometimes don't shine the light enough on the being of AI how it really transforms us at a very deep personal level and impacts us day to day and moment by moment if we so practice it yeah it's I think it's um it's there's so much out there to do this in business and coaching mm-hmm. and that's to me is fun it's professional end but it really also works in in the personal end as well mm, yeah yeah so I might say that you're best known in fact internationally celebrated for your creation of the SOAR framework and that's S-O-A-R 
And with that, you help organisations identify and articulate values, um, visions, mission statements and so on. Um, and, you know, facilitate the building of collaboration in workplaces, in innovation, and also bring about the results that people really want to, you know, want to create. So I wonder if you would spend a little time talking to us about SOAR, how it came about, and because it would be such a treat to hear it from the source, Jackie. Okay. <laughs> so um, if you look at appreciative inquiry as a way of, in your mind, knowing, and then you're being it and you're doing it, I look at appreciative inquiry as like an operating system. And having come up through the high-tech automotive industry, working in business development, marketing, you know, we had pr- plenty of what's going wrong, weaknesses and threats. And you know, I thought, I wonder if there's a different way to do strategy. Mm. And if I really stay true to appreciative inquiry and its principles and its 4D cycles and thought, no matter how bad things are in organizational life, how do you take, um, you can start from a weakness or a threat, but how do you reframe it and ask generative questions that are very strategic in nature? And SOAR was literally um, created at my kitchen table with a vice president from an automotive firm at the time. And we were sitting at my kitchen table and I thought, she says, I don't want to use these traditional tools because we always get stuck. How do we get unstuck and get people really energized around strategy? So our first conversation was, well, who do you invite to strategy meetings, strategic planning? And she says, well, it's usually the senior managers and the board and the committee. And I said, well, if you take a principle from appreciative inquiry, the whole system and bringing that into play, what if you were willing to bring in people that are closest to the customers, not necessarily closest to the board, or people from the customer center area or um, admin assistants. And and what if you started to build in representation from a whole system? And what if you took um, traditional tools like a SWAT, SWAT is still good, which stands for strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I said, but what if we really focused in on strengths and opportunities to create a real dynamic strategy. So that was the S and that was the O. Mm. And what if we had conversations about the aspirations from multiple stakeholders, current clients, innovating on new clients, and that was the A. The A was aspirations, and, and it also was kind of like the moment that if, we, if you look at strengths and opportunities, and you zone in on aspirations, you can come up with activities, which are strategic initiatives, that what, do we, what are the top three or five things we can do to get measurable results? So it was really napkin-based at first, and you, know, you do the little two-by-two two drawings, and there's been, you, know, you can Google image it, we've done drawings with upward spirals, but you're having strategic conversations that are, I like to call profoundly positive and engaging, and we're not looking at industry analyst reports, we're creating brand new ideas and innovations right there with your people versus reading other industry reports. And that's how SOAR, SOAR really took off with not a lot of thinking behind it except to use appreciative inquiry as its platform and create innovations. And that was back in um, about 1999-2000. So it's it's been my third child that um, through so many wonderful people I've been able to um, 
just go out there and, and like David did with should have inquiry and with Thor, it just keeps growing and it's just another way to attack strategy. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any longitudinal studies about the impact of SOAR? When you say um, longitudinal studies, um, what comes to um, my mind is is organizations who use it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I've done um, Google searches and I've been amazed um, with companies that I learn that are using it. And um, mm-hmm. so it's too much for me to sit down and actually mm-hmm. write and do research. But what's really interesting is there's been a lot of studies on the efficacy of SOAR done by doctorate students, probably um, a couple dozen dissertations that it does what it should be doing. The S measures with the S's and the O and the A and R. So I've been fortunate to have a lot of um, researchers out there asking to do research research on SOAR and its efficacy. But at the end of the day, I know it's working because so many people are, are right. using share their stories yeah yeah that's a fantastic response I mean I, I can't tell you the number of times I would have used SOAR in you know working with board retreats and doing strategic planning and teaching it to students so if you were just to look into the the appreciative inquiry community and the practitioners out there you know it becomes part of our repertoire exactly uh, yeah so I think that's so cool um I've heard you actually talk about using AI in micro moments to create macro moments. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I would say um, we were at, and you were actually at the um, same meeting at the Flourishing Enterprise Forum. It was back in June. Yep. And I was sitting at a table and listening to these um, micro conversations at, at the table. Ah. And. Yeah. And so the idea of micro moments is this one lady told this story about um, refugees, I believe it was from Syria, and how she just started one family at a time, and it just became this, what I, it's a, it's a macro movement. So it's like these little micro moments, these little conversations you have with people, these ideas, they can create movements. Just like your saw conversation at the kitchen table. Exactly. It was never, it was just a different way. It was a micro moment at my kitchen table to help Lynn come up with a strategy. To And she was part of um, a multi-billion dollar corporation. And how does she do strategy different that will turn around a, a division that was failing? Mm. So, again, it's that micro moment or that micro practice, that conversation that can create a whole movement within an organization. So it's spiraling up. Mm. I think appreciative inquiry gives you that power through the questions you ask and how you reframe things. And would that also be reflective of the generative nature of AI? Yes, yes. Um, You know, one of my favorite articles I read was by um, Gervais Bush, Mm -hmm. and it was AI is not just about the positive. Mm. You can go to the website and get that. That was a real powerful article because when you hear people who have service con- surface conversations on appreciative inquiry or don't know much, they think it's Pollyannish. Mm. They just positive questions. But he really got into um, the generative nature of yeah. question. 
Yeah. Yes. So it's, that, that was significant. Yeah, that's a great reminder. I'll put a link to that, in fact, yeah. um, on the show notes where I'll be sharing a lot of links that you've shared with me, Jackie, um, some publications and how people can be in touch with you and learn more about you and your work. So um, I'll just do a little plug here. So this episode is positivitystrategist.com slash 77. So you're my 77th episode. I love that number, don't you? That's good. Yes. <laughs> and so on that, so if anyone's listening and they want to go and, you know, get some more tangible, um, and some, um, some data there and, and download some things and read them, that's where you would go, um, positivitystrategist.com slash PS77. So, yeah, in fact, the students that I teach up at Champlain, they love that article. When they read that article, it's like, phew, you know, it's like, so now I know if I'm, a bit, a bit nervous that you know when I talk about this, it's a little bit flaky. I know now I can call call it generative, <laughs> so yeah. it gives a bit of weight if you you know you're still in the early early stages of identifying AI. And I have to tell a personal story, Jackie, that goes kind of, which was my first experience when I signed up to do the AI course um, at Case Western with David and Ron Fry. And um, I went there with this mindset. I'd just kind of recently moved from Australia and I was, you know, very much into participatory methodologies and all those other methodologies that we, you know, we often blend. Um, And I had this view that it was, I was just getting another tool in my toolkit and didn't realise the impact that would have on me personally, you know, from that very first really intimate discovery interview that we do but still I had this kind of um, doubting um, kind of skeptical hat on and I went up to David and I'd said David you know um, I, I have a, an Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Saxon cultural imprint and I'm just wondering if this is really perceived as a very American hype and Pollyanna and have a nice day <laughs> I'm kind of, I, I still share that story because it goes to show that, you know, we can be transformed, right? Yes. And, um, you know, David in his gracious way um, kind of smiled and, and said, well, yes, I know about these other tools. And I, you know, I was probably showing off, I thought, and referred mm-hmm. to another of our other methodologies. And so he said, well, you know, just, just be with that question and, you know, that idea and, you know, see how it lands on you or something like that. And, of course, as I say, by the end of that very first, you know, day, I was like, oh, my God, this is just so powerful. It is. And, you know, David said something when I first met him. You just triggered a thought. I remember he said this to me very early on. And, I'm, and I met David, I want to say it was um, the fall of 1995. And he said um, – you know, Jackie, there are no neutral questions. And he said, it's power to our questions. How can we frame and ask the questions? So at that point in the um, life cycle of appreciative inquiry, there were, um, what is AI? There were principles. There was no forward V cycle. Mm. Um, Mm. He was talking about the power of our questions and how we can reframe things. And that's what really came across to me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I experienced too. Um, so Beyond Saw, which is a thin book of less than 50 pages, um, <laughs> you've done a lot of writing in your life, and I know that you've edited a number of books and publications in this field, both scholarly books and 
I would say kind of mainstream. And you referred already to one that you co-authored with um, Sherry Torres called Dynamic Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Appreciative Inquiry in Daily Living. And you now have, you've alluded to it a little earlier, but you now have some exciting news about a new baby. Yes, that you also co-authored with Sherry. So perhaps you could do us the honor and give us a little sneak preview. I'll give you a sneak preview. So uh, the, the, the new book we have has been probably a, a dream of both Sherry and I. Um, so when we wrote Dynamic Relationships, Sherry and I only knew each other in, um, a couple of years when we started working on it. What's amazing is the power of relationships. So it was around 2011 or 12 that we thought, yeah, let's do a second edition of Dynamic Relationships. And that's that's what we intended to do. And we wrote a we rewrote the manuscript and we submitted a um, the proposal to Barrett Color Publishers. We were really inspired by their mission. I got to tell you, their mission is creating a world that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. So really aligns everybody in that organization would align with the meaning and principles of appreciative inquiry. So through the writing process, what we realized is, think about this, even what we're doing right now, um, conversations are how we interact. And I would bet every listener has had a conversation in their head. (laughs) They have conversations daily. It's almost like breathing. Mm -hmm. And so Sherry and I really got into dynamic conversations when we decided to really look at the types of conversations we're in, how do we create appreciative inquiry-based conversations, which flowed into the title of the book is Conversations Worth Having, Using Appreciative Inquiry to Feel Productive and Meaningful Engagement. Mm -hmm. And the book is simply about how do you use appreciative inquiry to strengthen relationships, ignite energy, generate possibilities for a future that works for everybody. How can we take, there's so much written and there's so much good stuff out there about the 4D and the 5D cycle and there's and how to do AI and organizational life in certain sectors. But what if we could write a book that really helps people use appreciative inquiry simply anytime, anywhere, any place. And so that is, that is our new book. We just came back from um, Author's Day um, the book will be released, um, I think, I believe it's May 2018. There's a lot when you're writing a book that goes through productions, but it's, it's we're giving you the, the two simple practices of about how do you do this positive reframing and ask generative questions, and how do those AI principles I talked about earlier really guide and drive and support your conversations so that you can pretty much use appreciative inquiry. Mm-hmm. Even that. Yeah. And so who is it for? The actual book is designed um, for primarily it's going to be business audiences, but it's also for, think about this, anybody that has a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about the industries and the communities, families that you're in, that this book is for people in business, government, education we have so this is a very different book sherry and i wrote a short book very story based so we took the stories of um our families our communities our client work and it's just a it's just how do you learn about appreciative inquiry through your everyday interactions Mm -hmm. yeah (coughs) excuse me and you're not i mean you're not 
um, writing about appreciative inquiry or showing how it's used. Yeah. yeah. And that was a book I've never, ever done before. You know, most of my books co-authored are always co-authored and they're, um, this is how you do it. And I got to tell you, my co-author, Sherry, was very instrumental saying, we can do this. And, and we learned to write stories from our youth. Our, the story I told you about Allie is at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And, and organizational life and just every story you could probably relate to in there. Yeah. And then simple appreciative inquiry is to use. Yeah. Jackie, the, the title of the book being Conversations Worth Having, just the short title, it couldn't be more timely. We, we have conversations, but, you know, a lot of conversations about what I did yesterday. So it's about the quality and the meaning of the conversation. If we can learn how to have quality conversations, wouldn't that be something? Well, and that's what we're trying to do because a lot of the conversations, um, it's in the second chapter, we talk about, you know, here's critical conversations, we have destructive conversations, mm-hmm. we have affirmative, and it's such div- divisiveness in the world that we're working at is how do we turn these conversations around and get them into conversations worth having, and how do we deal with um, relationships? Mm-hmm places that we have relationships where instead of finger pointing and making people feel worse or we can't do anything, how do we create what I like to say, and this is part of the AI family, is life-giving moments, Mm -hmm. defining moments, and how do you transform your everyday conversations to conversations worth having? Um, So the title just fits naturally in our language. We were really fortunate that um, David Cooper writer at first was writing the foreword to the book, but it was so good that they asked that his foreword really be the introduction because David was able to pull out the core message of the book. Mm-hmm. In and it was really long and it was too, it was too long to be a foreword, but the perfect, perfect an introduction. So that was really a gift that we ended up with. Oh, that's uh, a real gift. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait. And I would like to invite you and Sherry to be, would love um, that. come back before it's or just on the launch and we can talk about it um, and let people know where they can get it at that time. I would be so honoured if you'd do that, Jackie. Oh, I just, we'd love to. Great. We're very excited to get a book out there that's um, very affordable. We, we um, told the publishers that we wanted the book. And that's, it's harder to write a shorter book, but the book will be a, will be a short book. And it will. Um, they assured us it would be well under twenty dollars. Mm, great. Mark Twain would be impressed, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's he say? If you wanted to write a, if I could write, what was it? I'm going to. He said, if you, if you, if you really want me to write something short, give me a few, few more days. And if you want something long, I can get it to you in the next hour or something. That's like right. That. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's in the editing process. Um, so Jackie, you mentioned something earlier, which I'm curious to explore a little bit you mentioned that all your books are co-authored yes so how's that so well if you go back to living the appreciative inquiry um think of the first principle the first ai principle is social construction and i again i I, when i go back to my ai family of david cooperider and ron fry and sylvester these earlier ai folks i call them these gurus you know, you social construct everything. I don't like to write alone because it's just me and my ideas. And what's amazing is 
by being following the appreciative inquiry principles and being in conversation with my co-authors, you just create something that you never thought, you never even imagined started that. So I think the principle of co-construction has really played a powerful place in my life. Mm. And what do you value about yourself in that co-authoring experience? I think I value that, um, and, and I, we've actually wrote about this in the Dynamic Relationships book in our new book, mm-hmm. it, and this is a Sherry. Sherry and I still have the ain't it awful conversations. <laughs> we had critical conversations. We have disagreed but it's through practicing what we're writing about. Mm. We have just an awesome outcome here. And I would say that um, each time I work with somebody, it's usually somebody who is very different than me. Um, I think, you know, the Flourishing Leadership Institute, mm-hmm. the work with this institute, um, with John Berghoff and his staff, they're, they're the millennials of appreciative inquiry. Mm. So I'm really attracted to people who are not like me. That's why I love you, Robin. You are amazing when it comes to appreciative inquiry and your use from the day we met doing a summit together with technology before social media took off. Mm-hmm. Took off. It's, the, it's the diversity yet the inclusive nature. Mm. Well, thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, that's right. That was fun. So that's awesome. Um, you know, you are a prolific creator and a giver. And now that you've come up for air I, I might assume because your you know your book's in the production cycle now yeah it went off to copy editing as we speak oh, fantastic what's perking, percolating away for you now everything it takes to launch a book is probably percolating <laughs> um, before I came to this I was telling you I was at a social media thing and it's amazing to understand the impact on social media and how uneducated I am here. So there's a, just a personal thing that is percolating is how uneducated I am with social media. Mm. And then, of course, in my my appreciative inquiry life, and you're part of this too, it's that whole positive education summit. Yes. You know, we're on the cusp of trying to understand what does it mean to have this world positive education summit and what does it mean for our youth and children to have this? I mean, this has been like a movement I couldn't even imagine. And I'm like really feel happy and honored to be involved on the steering committee and everything we're doing here. I have no idea where we're going here, but I know mm-hmm. it's going to make a difference to how not just the kids in the United States learn in our youth, but throughout the world. So you probably as well know that's something really big percolating. Yeah, that's that's awesome to be part of that. And um, like you, it's like, where is this going? But the, the the people who are involved and committed to it and passionate about it and the kinds of people we're looking to invite and include and speak and participate, um, it's pretty powerful. Well, there were two remarkable things, if you recall, because we, you and I were both at the steering committee um, I was amazed when I walked into the room, first of all, how many new people they were, people who probably aren't part of the initial appreciative inquiry, but just teachers and some students were there. That was like really, again, the diversity. And I have to tell you, Robin, um, I was amazed that you made it and you got through the hurricane because you weren't going to get there. And that's just the, the generative nature of Mother Nature that you made it up for that steering committee. Yeah, yeah, and we're talking about um, the world WPEA. It's the World Positive 
education accelerator. So you might want to give your listeners um, links to that because that's for students and teachers, superintendents, and people like you and me and education policymakers, anything that involves the learning of a person. Yeah, so um, there's another link that I'll put up there. Okay, well, that's fantastic, Jackie. So I just want to say to you that this has been just such a joy for me to have this one-on-one time with you and to be able to share it with the world. And again, a reminder that if people want to find these links that have come up through the conversation, they can go to positivitystrategist.com slash PS77. And there you'll be able to connect with Jackie and some of her works. And if you want to be totally awestruck then I suggest you go to her bio page on the Lawrence Technological University site and there's going to be a link there. It goes on for pages and pages and you'll just realise why I feel so privileged to be having this conversation with you. So, Jack, is there anything else you would like to say by way of ending this conversation? But we will have more in the future, particularly around uh, conversations worth having around April. But right now, I'll just give the last word to you, Jackie. Two, I guess two, I'd like to say two words come to my mind, and it's appreciation and gratefulness that there are people out there like you, Robin, doing this to get the word out there. And to tell, and to tell your, your listeners, um, even though this book isn't available yet, think about the next conversation you're going to have with somebody and really think about helping to reframe it ask generative questions so that they can move forward in a direction that, you know, everybody is thriving and flourishing. Beautiful. Thank you, Jackie Stavros. Thank you, Robin. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best